Welcome to the sermon podcast of Northridge Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas. I'm Betsy Sweetenberg, the pastor here, and I hope that in this podcast, you see what we seek to do week after week, approaching the stories of our faith with a holy curiosity, not shutting the book because the stories are hard or there are truths we'd rather ignore. Instead, approaching scripture, trusting that God will meet us there, full of grace and truth, teaching us something new about how we are to live in this world God so loves. If you've been with us in worship the last month, then you know that we've been exploring those often hard-to-say phrases that have the power to transform our relationships with God, with ourselves, and with each other. And so each week we have been looking at a story of one of our ancestors in the Old Testament, and we've considered what it means to say the words, I love you, I need help, I was wrong, and I'm enough. Today, we're going to shift from three words to two, as you've heard, and we're shifting from a statement to a question. What if? Moses and his call story is going to help us explore the power of those two little words. And as I was preparing for this week, I was reminded of the story about the theologian Karl Barth, who once was giving a lecture at a university, and there was a young skeptic in the crowd, and he stood up to ask Barth a question who had just been talking about Genesis. And uh, this young man said, you mean to tell me that someone as smart as you believes in a talking snake? To which Karl Barth responded, I'm not so interested in whether a snake can talk. I'm interested in what the snake said. And I invite you to keep that sentiment in mind as we read this story of Moses, because there are some things that would be easy to just distract us from the deeper truth of the story. So let's explore together maybe what is being spoken to us through this text. But before we turn to the words of Exodus chapters 3 and 4, let's pray. Oh God, it can be easy to approach your word like it is a problem to be solved. But we know it is more than that. It is a mystery to be wondered, just as you are a mystery to be wondered, not a problem to be solved. So pour out your Holy Spirit on these ancient words so that we may be drawn deeper into the mystery that is you, the mystery that is your living word that transcends space and time. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Then God said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. 
He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. Now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this very mountain. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them then? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Then Moses answered, but look, they may not believe me or listen to me, but say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Moses said, a staff. And God said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw the staff on the ground and it became a snake. And Moses drew back from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and seize it by the tail. So Moses reached out his hand and grasped it, and it became a staff in his hand. So that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has indeed appeared to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now that you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf, seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to speak. But he said, oh, my Lord, please Send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, What of your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. Even now he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, his heart will be glad. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you shall do. He indeed shall speak for you to the people. He shall serve as a mouth for you, and you shall serve as a God for him. Take in your hand this staff with which you shall perform the signs. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What if? Such an easy question to ask of ourselves, isn't it? 
What if I make the wrong choice? What if I change my mind? What if I'm not a good parent? What if the grief never goes away? What if I can't pay my bills? What if I uproot my family, move across the country, and the job isn't what I expected? What if I fail? What if the person I love doesn't love me back? What if I'm not as good as I think I am? What if my child makes a decision I disagree with? What if I pick the wrong major? What if I don't make the grades to get into graduate school? What if we can't mend our marriage? What if I don't make friends? What if I don't see results from all the work I put in? What if I don't live up to my parents' expectations for me? What if I don't live up to my own expectations for me? What if I retire and I don't know how to spend my time because I don't have work to fill my days? What if I change and people don't love me anymore? What if I have to take a pay cut to do the job I really want to do? What if my reputation is ruined? What if the people I'm supposed to lead ask who sent me? What if they don't believe what I tell them? What if I stutter? What if somebody else is better suited to do the work? What if I don't want to do the work that needs to be done? What if? What if? What if? You know, those aren't only questions that we ask of our personal lives. We do this in communities too. We ask what if as a church all the time. What if we don't make our budget? What if we build a new building and can't pay the mortgage when it comes due? What if we try that new program and it fails? What if the children are too noisy in the sanctuary? What if we've never done it that way before? What if supporting that issue comes across as too political? What if we have to let some things go to make room for something new to grow? What if we realize there's a better way? What if? What if can so quickly give breathing room to our fears, can't it? If you ask what if, thinking about your own life right now, I wonder what fears are lurking just beyond those two little words for you. And this is not a rhetorical question. You may have gotten a pen when you came in. There are some pencils in your pews. You don't have to write things down, but just take a minute and think about what comes to mind when you ask yourself, what if? What fears are lurking behind those two little words? You can use the uh, extra space in your bulletin if you want to. At 9 a.m., some people wrote some notes in their phone. This is just for you. No one's going to collect it, but just think about that. What if? It's so easy to ask that question and let anxiety fill in the rest 
of the sentence. Usually it's a way to ask, what if it goes wrong? It's a way to protect ourselves. As we think about possibilities, we wonder about all that could go wrong so that we can talk ourselves out of things. In my experience, all of those what-if questions about all that could go wrong are really just a way to give ourselves the illusion of control, a way to convince ourselves that we do in fact know best and we've weighed all of our options and therefore our no is born of the assurance that we're avoiding catastrophe. It's a natural response. That's what Moses is doing in this whole story. You heard it. Moses was just minding his own business when an inflamed bush began speaking to him about the liberation of the Israelite people. And when told that his call was to lead the charge, he immediately let his mind wander to all that could go wrong. What if I can't do it? What if they don't believe me? What if I stutter? Now, Moses doesn't discount, God does not discount Moses's fear. God never says in this exchange, no one's going to ask those questions, so stop worrying about them. You notice what God does? God gives Moses answers for when those fears are realized. When they do ask you for my name, God says, tell them I am who I am. When they do ask you what's in your hand, say a staff and then throw it on the ground and watch it turn into a snake. When your words are slow to come, I'll put words on your lips and I'll send someone to help you in the form of Aaron. Now, it would be easy to read this whole exchange as Moses and God sparring round after round after round. But I think God is up to something more than debating Moses for sport in this. Because in all of God's responses to Moses' questions, God shifts Moses' fear-filled what-ifs to hope-filled what-ifs that hold an invitation into the mystery of God. God shifts Moses' fear-filled, what if they ask me who sent me, to a hope-filled, what if the people are captivated by the answer, I am has sent me to you. God shifts Moses' fear-filled, what if they don't want to follow me, to a hope-filled, what if your staff becomes a snake when you throw it on the ground? God was moving Moses from fear to hope so that Moses could do the same for the Israelites, giving answers that were really invitations to be drawn into the mystery of faith. Now, I'd like to think that God has lots of experience moving from fear to hope. It's not in the Bible, so I don't know if God ever asked fear-filled what-ifs. But if there's anyone who should be asking what-if born out of fear, isn't it God? What if Moses doesn't believe the burning bush is me? What if people don't listen to him? What if the people decide they prefer captivity to God's liberation? What if I test this incarnation business out and it's a total failure? What if I go to them, send my only child, and they don't receive him? What if they kill my son? What if they succeed? But we know that somehow God moves from fear to hope. 
Because instead of being stuck on all that could go wrong, God seizes the power of possibility. What if? What if it all goes right? What if these people are transformed? What if the suffering are healed and the dead are raised and the last are first and the empty are filled? What if? What if our task as people of faith is to get beyond our primal instinct to defend ourselves and our communities so that we too can experience the mystery of God? We believe that God is alive and at work in the world, which means that we have to show up with the assumption that God is already here. God is already doing something among us in our lives and in this community, even before we can recognize it. Our job is to be drawn into the mystery so that we can join in God's activity right here and right now. What are our scriptures, if not a testament to the power of asking the question, what if, with possibility and hope? God continually asks, what if, looking beyond what is to what can be. What if? That must be the question God asks at the start of each day, because those two little words are the start of God's redeeming work in this world. Those two little words, what if, are how we go from lost to found, from captivity to freedom, from run down to restored, from hatred to love, from war to peace, from death to life. What if love transcends enemy lines? What if forgiveness changes everything? What if going back is necessary to going forward? What if life is possible after death? What if a murderer is the one to lead Israel's liberation? What if joy follows despair? What if the one who died on the cross saves the world? What if it's true? What if God's grace is for you? What if? That is the question that scripture wants us to ask of ourselves and of our communities. What if Northridge Presbyterian Church has a witness to offer that reaches far beyond the neighborhood of Lakewood? What if we're raising up the next generation of leaders for the church because we will not compromise our welcome to children and youth? What if we're changed by the people we encounter at Literacy Achieves and White Rock Center of Hope and through Northridge Without Borders and United to Learn and Stewpot? What if our vision is changed because of it? What if we're shaping the hearts of leaders to go back out into the world to use their gifts in new ways? What if newer members of this congregation see possibilities for us that we never could have imagined before? What if God is more faithful to this church in the future than he has been in the past? What if? What if? What possibilities would you entertain if your what-ifs were born of wonder and hope instead of fear? If you scribbled something down or if you called something to mind, go back to it. How would those questions change if they were filled with hope instead of fear? Take a minute and think about that.
What if God is calling you and us to that future filled with hope? What if go out into God's world in peace, have courage, hold on to what is good, return to no one evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all persons, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day, and always, always. Amen.